Hey, everybody, real quick before we get started, I want to tell you about my newsletter, Build Something Weekly. It will give you insights on the latest episode of this show, as well as news and content from around the online WordPress and podcasting communities. You'll get insights from me as to current events, as well as content I've written over the past week. If you are interested in that, and you should be, because I think it's really good, you can head over to howibuilt.it slash subscribe. That's howibuilt.it slash subscribe and sign up for Build Something Weekly. Okay, now let's get on with this episode Today, I am really excited to talk to Tracy Larvens. He is my content manager over at LinkedIn Learning, and he is so great to work with. Being a content manager at LinkedIn Learning, it's his job to make sure that there is a steady stream of new course material coming out for members. We'll talk about how he decides what to put into the production queue, and with me being a LinkedIn Learning instructor, we'll get into the course creation process a bit. I'm really excited to share this with you because I've put out a few courses this year on LinkedIn Learning, so getting a sneak peek into that process is going to be really fun. But before we get into that, let's hear a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Yes Please Coffee. Upgrade your morning with Yes Please. This fantastic coffee subscription will send freshly roasted beans to your door with no fuss. Pick your size and how often you need beans and they'll ship you a unique blend of expertly sourced and roasted coffee beans. I've been drinking Yes Please coffee for a few weeks now and I have been loving it. Each week I get to try a new blend of flavors that helps me mix up my mornings. And the best part is I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to go to some new roasters website, look at all the flavors, wonder if I'm actually going to like it or not, and then finally order. Every week, Yes Please just sends me coffee and it's new and different and delicious. Each shipment even comes with an info card about the beans and some other information like reading lists and extra stuff that I just enjoy getting in the mail with my coffee. So if you're ready to upgrade your mornings with unique blends of coffee beans, sign up today. Head over to howibuilt.it slash yes and use the code H-I-B-I for $5 off your subscription. And don't worry, if you're going on vacation or you have a little too much some weeks, you can skip shipments or cancel anytime. Again, upgrade your mornings with coffee, great coffee, from Yes Please at howibuilt.it slash yes and use the code H-I-B-I for $5 off. Fantastic, delicious coffee beans shipped right to you. And now, back to the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? Today, my guest is Tracy Larvens. He is the A content manager at LinkedIn. Tracy, how are you? I'm doing great today. How about yourself? I am wonderful. So I'm happy to talk to you today. Uh, Tracy happens to be my content manager at LinkedIn. And I reached out because in this season, as we focus on creating content for different mediums and being consistent, I thought that this would be a really good conversation to have as LinkedIn Learning puts out 
lots of content and I'm sure gets pitched on even more content. So uh, I thought that this would be good to kind of figure out how you decide what content to put out and at what cadence. But before we get into all of that, why don't you tell us, Tracy, a little bit about who you are and what you do? Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I actually am one of several content managers at LinkedIn Learning. Um, I think there's about 10 of us or so, and we each con- uh, cover a number of different content areas. So I happen to cover Python, PHP, WordPress, um, another, a number of other frameworks. Um, and uh, so I came from a non-traditional uh, path. So I was actually originally uh, somebody who uh, took computer courses in high school and college, uh, but uh, I actually majored in music of all things. So, um, and I worked in film production for about uh, 20 years or so. Um, But throughout the whole process, I was teaching and I was uh, heavily embedded in technology. So um, when the offer came up here, uh, I jumped at it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And that's, I think, so when we met, you were, in a different role, I believe, right? That's correct. Yeah, um, I was actually a uh, one of the managers of the producers. Uh, so uh, at LinkedIn, we have uh, two people who generally work with the authors. Uh, one is the content manager who decides what the uh, courses will be about, and then the producer who is the person who helps the author go and create the course itself once that has been decided. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so in in uh, that kind of triad, I guess, um, I am an author at LinkedIn Learning, a part-time or adjunct or freelance, however you, I don't know, I don't know what the official nomenclature is, it's just like contractor. You are uh, a contract author for us, yes, sir. Excellent. And then you do have full-time authors as well, right? We do have some staff authors, yes. Okay, staff authors, staff authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, right, so, uh, so... As the uh, author, I first talk to the content manager. So in this case, Tracy and I would have a conversation. Uh, generally, you have reached out to me uh, saying, all right, well, you you are open for courses, to, to build courses. And these are some of the topics we're thinking about, right? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And so how do you... Uh, and just to close the loop on that, once we figure out the the course I'm going to do, I then get passed off to a producer. I have worked with the same one for the last three courses now. Actually, uh, I guess I worked with Abby for the PHP first look, uh, but the last two courses I've worked with uh, the same person. So um, yeah, but but as far as figuring out what to do, how uh, how do you figure out what courses to bring to the author? And how do you figure out what author to talk to? <laughs> well, that's just a short answer. All right. No, I'm kidding. No, um, <laughs> actually, there's there's uh, quite a bit to it. So um, I'll, I'll start with the, the, the first part of it, um, which is trying to decide what to cover. So um, we have a number of different places where we can go to get some information about what learners are searching for. So that's that's always like the first thing that I will look at. Um, you know, there's a hard and fast rule of give the people what they want. And so, you know, searching, um, you know, if a learner comes up with a, uh, a, a lack of hits for courses that are currently in the library, 
there is a, a database that we have that can show us these things. So, um, and we can, you know, figure out what these content areas are that they're looking for specifically, what they're hoping to have covered. Um, but uh, it, it's not just that, though. Um, I spend a lot of time doing research. Um, I spend a lot of time on message boards. I spend a lot of time uh, going to conferences. Um, you know, and I, and I try to understand really what the audiences are looking for. Um, it's a moving target, generally speaking. So, um, you know, what is relevant uh, in technology right now is not the same thing that was relevant in technology, you know, three or four months ago. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, particularly with like, you know, the uh, arrival of COVID and people working remotely. So, you know, we, we try to always make sure we're delivering timely content that uh, people can use at the moment. Um, you know, there's there's a lot more to it than that, too. Um but, uh, you know, those are kind of the, the broad strokes about what I'm looking for in terms of, uh, you know, the topics. Um, in terms of authors, uh, I'm always looking for people who, who really care about the topic, who are passionate about it, um, and people who have an enthusiasm for it. Uh, I think we've all been in a class where we've had an instructor who was teaching a class that you didn't think you would care about at all. You know, it might have been, you know, world history or something like that, that you're like, well, this isn't one of my favorite topics, but, you know, I have to take the course. And then you get in the class and the instructor is amazing. He brings such life to it. He brings passion to it. And he really makes you care about it, too. So I'm looking for those types of instructors for our content. So, and you you fit that bill perfectly. It's been wonderful to work with you. So, Thank you. But on the flip side of things, you know, we've, we've always, uh, I think we've all had classes where the instructor wasn't into the topic. And, you know, within a few minutes, you know, you're, you find yourself nodding off. So online training is pretty tricky because we have to make sure that we are always engaging the audience. So making sure that we're finding the people who are passionate, who can c- convey that enthusiasm. Um, people who really respect their audience, um, and people who understand that, like, um, they aren't talking to an audience, they're talking to a person, one person at a time. So, um, and that's, that's super important. So, um, getting up and lecturing in front of a class is much different than sitting in front of somebody and talking to them. And I think for our types of learning, having the latter is much more important, being able to go and talk to an individual. And I think that's what personalizes people. Yeah, for sure. I and I love that uh, because uh you're right when somebody's watching when somebody's watching a video and they're not in a classroom, it, it to them it definitely feels like it's one-on-one, right? Cuz they don't have anybody to commiserate with. And, Absolutely. Uh, as the instructor, you you know, I want to make sure that they are absorbing the knowledge, so or absorbing the information. So, uh sure. for sure I have had I try to approach my classes a lot like uh I had a computer science teacher who, no matter, he had been teaching for 20 or 30 years at that point, but he would always approach the problems as if he was solving them for the first time. Right. And I thought that was just like the Dutch national flag problem is a long established computer science academic problem. And he would stand at the board and like really think about how to solve it. I'm like, you know the answer to this. You must. Right. But for us, it was super helpful to see him work through the problem. So that really affected my teach, uh, my my education, and I I like to think how I approach teaching. So absolutely, yeah. So uh, this is so this is interesting. You actually mentioned that a lot has changed, especially in the last four or so months. Um, what 
what have you seen as the content as a content manager as far as searches and and COVID-19 and being in a pandemic? What changes have you seen there? Well, that's, that's a great question. So um, I, I think that one of the main things that we've seen is that people are struggling to go and figure out how to work remotely. And so, you know, coding, um, you know, there's a, a lot of things that uh, are a little bit different when you are coding as an individual versus when you're coding like, uh, you know, for, say for enterprise, you know, there's things like pair programming and, you know, when you are remote, that's that's a different type of problem. That's not something you know you're used to working through. So we've been trying to do training that is more timely that can help people in the moment. Uh, so we've been focusing a lot on uh, how to go and prepare our learners for this remote uh, workflow. Um, you know, we are we're starting to see some companies open up. Of course, um, however, I think that there's going to be, particularly in tech, uh, a lot more workers working from home. Uh, just because it's safer, uh, you know, due to social distancing. Um, and also, I, I think that a lot of people are finding that it's uh, it's an effective way to work for, a, you know, a lot of the types of tasks that we do. So, um, you know, I would say that most of our changes are really built around that remote workflow. This episode is brought to you by iThemes. Did you know that 60% of website breaches occur because a vulnerability could have been patched but wasn't? That means having software with known vulnerabilities installed on your site gives hackers the blueprint they need to take over your site. Every day, it gets harder and harder to keep track of every disclosed WordPress vulnerability. You have to compare that list to your plugins and themes by version and make sure you're constantly updating. To solve this problem, the iThemes Security Pro plugin created a better way to protect your sites against software vulnerabilities, the number one culprit of WordPress sites. The new improved WordPress security site scan powered by iThemes performs automatic checks for known website vulnerabilities and automatically applies available fixes so you don't have to. Whew. That's some peace of mind. And I could speak personally to this because as somebody who has repaired hacked websites, I know that it could be costly and dangerous to lose information, especially when it's personally identifiable. So iThemes Security Pro also includes a ton of other features to help you keep the bad guys out. Brute force protection, two-factor authentication, passwordless logins, and compromised password protection. Plus a whole lot more to keep you safe. If you want to start securing your sites today, head over to howibuilt.it slash iThemes to get the best WordPress security plugin to secure and protect WordPress. iThemes is giving How I Built It listeners a 20% discount by using the code HowIBuiltIt at checkout. Again, that's HowIBuilt.it slash iThemes. That's HowIBuilt.it slash I-T-H-E-M-E-S. And use the code HowIBuiltIt at checkout for 20% off. And now, back to the show. I would agree that this is probably going to be a long-term change. I can't imagine that uh, any... Uh, bottom line minded people in San Francisco, for example, would be like, hey, Absolutely. you've been working exactly the same at home for free to me. Why don't you yep. come back to our million dollar a month office? Right. Like that's right. 
Um, <laughs> exactly. That might be a, a exaggeration. I don't actually know how much office it costs in San Francisco. Be, but it might not be. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think that that's definitely going to be a long lasting change, and that's that's really interesting. So, have you? Uh, and I I know that you we didn't prepare any of this, so I know you don't probably have the data right in front of you. But sure. Have you seen an uptick in the amount of people interested in? Uh, learning new skills with their extra time, we'll say. So um, somebody actually tagged me in one of their LinkedIn posts about how great it's been to learn new skills and level up their career. And that was, I mean, that was very rewarding because you really don't see a lot of that um, teaching remotely or teaching online. So that was very rewarding. But have you seen, have you seen that yourself? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm not, uh, I can't talk uh, specific numbers, so uh, proprietary information, but I can say that, yes, it has been, uh, you know, quite a boon for online learning. Um, you know, people indeed are trying to go and really make the best of what could be considered to be a bad situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we see engagement really picking up. Um, you know, it's it's starting to go and flatten out a bit, um, but, uh, you know, we are about... Uh, two or three months into it, uh, into the general lockdown here in California, uh, and I think across most of the U.S. So, um, but yes, there's been a huge influx of new learners. Um, you know, people, uh, I think in general want to go and try to be useful and make themselves useful, uh, you know, in a variety of situations. And they're looking to go and, t- uh, try to find that next skill that can help them get a, get a raise, get a better job, um, and, and really try to, um, you know, make things better for themselves and their families. So, um, and certainly online learning has been a venue where they've been looking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. Um, so, uh, so figuring out what to cover in courses, figuring out the authors. Now, uh, how, how do you figure out, well, I kind of want to ask this, but I don't want, I don't want you to get inundated with, with like pitches, but do, first of all, does LinkedIn learning accept open pitches? I, I luckily um, had a, a friend connect me to the right people when this is very important when the time was right uh cuz i had been i asked him like a, maybe a couple years before that and he made the connection when the time was right uh but does linkedin learning accept like open pitches for courses um i can't speak for other uh content managers but for me absolutely yes nice. um you know the there are ideas that are, um, you know, the obvious ideas. There are ideas about, um, you know, future things that are coming through. Uh, you know, I'm one person and I can't possibly know everything there is to know uh, about all the different technologies. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm always happy to go and discuss, um, you know, course ideas for sure. So, um, you know, again, you know, they, they may be something we already have in production, but uh, they may they may not be. And it might be something we just snap right up and say, hey, yeah, let's do that. Nice. And and when you're doing that, I know that there's probably a few things that you want to look for, right? You want to make sure that the idea jives, but you also want to make sure the the person bringing the idea to you can deliver the content, right? So I won't say, I won't tell you to do this in a negative way, but let's say somebody wants to create a good online course. What are the skills that they should work on or the skills that they should make sure they have 
to adequately deliver an online course? Sure. Okay. Well, um, there's it's two sided. So there is there's the course material itself. So if we start with the course material, um, you know, first of all, it's it's got to be a solid idea, um, and you have to understand who your audience is. So and um, you know, if you are going to go and teach, you know, an advanced Python course, you know, there are certain assumptions you make for um, you know somebody who is going to be watching that course versus you know a programming foundations course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where somebody you know would have no knowledge going into that or very basic knowledge. Um, so you really need to go and understand who your audience is and who you're going to be uh, who you're going to be talking to. Um, you really, really need to get pretty granular with the material, uh, even at the pitch part of this. Um, you know, we're going to ask a lot of questions uh, after we see the, uh, we typically get a course brief uh, that kind of outlines what the idea is, why you're the person to go and teach that, and uh, why it's important to be taught now. Um, and along with some actionable outcomes uh, for the learning. So what can the learners expect to be able to do after they take the course? So um, those are all things that you really need to spend a lot of time considering, having great answers for, um, you know, and as you're getting into that, uh, you might find out that, okay, well, um, maybe this isn't the idea that I thought it was, you know, uh, you know, maybe this really, you know, has been covered elsewhere. Um you know, or, you know, you might decide, okay, yeah, you know, I, I think this is great. It looks like, uh, you know, this isn't something that's currently covered in the library. So, um, or at least it's not, you know, uh, a, uh, a topic that has been covered recently in the library. So, uh, you know, again, for me, my, one of my overriding uh, themes is I would like to go and make sure that I have timely content. So, um, you know, and again, as we mentioned earlier that, uh, you know, things change on a very, you know, rapid basis. Um, you know, I, I'm always looking to update courses. So, uh, so anyways, there's, there's the content side of things like that. So from an author perspective an author side, um, you really have to be able to go and, uh, make the content interesting from a, you, well, first of all, you have to be interested and passionate about the topic. Um, you, you know, you just can't teach something that, um, you know, it's where it sounds like you're just reading a manual, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's not going to go and, uh, you know, engage viewers and yeah. that's not going to go and keep them. So you might have them for a minute or two, but you know, if you don't care about the stuff, people are going to go and find out like that. And, you know, immediately you're going to lose them if you're not passionate about it. So, um, so that's going to be one of the top things. So, um, and then actually there's a, a few other things like, uh, making sure that you are um, taking care of uh, cutting out the fat. You know, um, you don't want to make sure that you aren't wasting a learner's time. Um, so there's personalization, which is awesome. And I love that. Um, so what I always recommend that the, um, that our authors and instructors go and bring, you know, little personalized stories into these things to go and talk about like, oh, this might've been one of the things that I had trouble with when I was first getting started, you know, for example. And, uh, but the, the flip side of that is you don't want to go on a 15 minute diatribe (laughs) about that kind of thing. You just want to be, you know, add that little personal bit and just get in, get out and keep teaching and making sure that you are being respectful of the learner's time. So super important. Um, and then the other thing is, uh, you know, it, it takes practice too. Um, you have to be able to go and speak. Um, you know, it, it sounds like a weird thing, but um, it's sometimes hard to be able to go and just read a script through if you go with scripts. Um, you know, and it's 
it's a skill. You know, it's something that you can practice. It's something you can work on. Um, and you should record yourself, too. Uh, I know that, for example, I say the word uh, a lot. You'll hear that throughout the podcast. And I'm sorry. I really am. Um, you know, but as we are doing uh, the, the courses, you'll find uh, that you can learn to not say those types of things, too. And it makes the process much easier for learners. It makes it much easier for the editors who are going to work on the courses. And it's going to lead to a better product, too. So uh, there's things like that that are really going to help make a difference. But uh, overall, you have to be an expert in the topic. Uh, you have to know the thing inside and out, be passionate about it, and be able to communicate that effectively. Yeah, and and the be passionate part, that w- that's... Something that is echoed, right? Because that's when uh, when I went to uh, I don't want to name name him because I don't want people to be like, hey, can you hook me up too? Uh, sure. But when I went to him first and I was like, hey, is there anything? Do you recommend anything? He said you need to be passionate about whatever you pitch, uh, yep. and I think that's super important because it's it is it's hard to get motivated to teach, to write scripts, right? Because you do. Like you said, in the pitch process, you need to do a course brief and a table of contents. Like you need to think through everything that you're doing. And then some of the courses are short, but I happen to be working on a course now that is 67 videos last time I checked. And that's a lot. (laughs) That is a lot, yeah. Yeah, and you know, if I'm not into it, then, and some of them are short, like short videos, but... If I'm not into that topic, it's going to be a, a slog. Schlog? A real slog. Yeah, schlog. Yeah, yeah it yeah, could be a schlog yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, it could be a schlog, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> so I, I really need to dig it. And luckily, I, I do. I really enjoy teaching, especially beginners. I love teaching beginners how to program. Like, it's just really fun. Uh, it comes through and in your instruction. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great. Thank you very much. It's ripe for analogies. I love analogies. So... <laughs> uh, and uh, I like what you said too about practice recording, right? Um, you kind of get get your reps in, is what I tell people as when they're sure. thinking about starting a podcast or doing YouTube videos, right? Is because I don't th- these interviews aren't scripted. Hopefully, you can tell that. <laughs> and uh, but you could probably there are a few of my episodes that have been scripted, and you could probably tell the difference. My courses are not scripted. Well, they are scripted, but I don't read from them verbatim. They're basically right. just, I write out the points I want to hit in sentences so that my producer knows what I'm talking about. And right. so I know I know what I'm talking about and I'm not just kind of like cowboying it. But I don't read them verbatim and I have trained myself not to say um. I do a little pause if I need to think about something. And those pauses, I suspect, are a lot easier to edit out than the word um or uh or like. Because absolutely, yeah. So, anyway, that's I think that's all really. I'm reiterating your points because I think they are all that's all great advice. And so, as we kind of continue and, and move into the next section here, we have figuring out what to cover and uh, how to deliver this material. What about the the cadence at which you release? content. I know that you have a limit on the number of courses a single author, uh, at least a single contract author can develop in a time period. I suspect that's for budgetary reasons, but also like you want to make sure you're releasing the right content at the right time, that you're not 
flooding your user base with too much, right? Absolutely. So what does that what does that look like? So the the cadence is um, well, like like you said, for an individual author, um, we often won't do more than one or two courses per quarter. So um, you know we have uh, yearly quarters, uh, just like everybody else, um, and so. Uh, you know, for the author perspective, um, we want to make sure we aren't burning out our authors. So we want to make sure that everybody's nice and fresh. And, uh, you know, most of our authors uh, are industry experts and they are working in the industry. So this is not a full-time job for them. So um, you can imagine how difficult it would be to go and program a full day and then try to go and spend a couple hours every day <laughs> to go and work on a course. And, you know, it would be really easy to uh, to burn out. So mm-hmm. uh, we want to be very respectful of our author's time and make sure that, you know, we're getting the best content. And part of that is making sure that <laughs> they're they're fresh. So, um, and then uh, from the, the release side of things on uh, the library as a whole, um, each content manager basically has uh, a set number of targets, uh, a set number of courses that they can release in a in a quarter. Um, and for me, as I am scheduling things, I am looking to make sure that we have good coverage uh, across all of my ca- my content categories. So I mentioned that uh, you know I cover things like C sharp and PHP and and Python. So I want to make sure that I've got relevant and timely information. Uh, covered throughout that. So um, generally, I would say that I'm releasing maybe, uh, let's see, I don't know if I can actually say on air how many <laughs> courses I release. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but, you know, it, it is a, it's a pretty manageable number that if there is a student, uh, an individual who uh, wants to learn things, uh, they would be easily able to go and watch all of the new content that becomes available uh, every month uh, without, you know, being overwhelmed. Today's episode is brought to you by Smile and their product, Text Expander. Save time typing and boost your productivity with Text Expander. You know I'm all about automation and Text Expander is a great way to get started with automation. It allows you to create your own snippets for repetitive text you tend to use everywhere. Add the text, create a snippet, and boom, save precious time and keystrokes. One of my favorite snippets is for my address. So instead of typing out my full address and risking typos, I simply type dollar sign A-D-D-R and Text Expander does the rest, filling in my full address for me. I also have snippets for my street, my city, and my zip code. But that's not all Text Expander does. With its advanced snippets, you can create fill-ins, pop-up fields, and more. You can even use JavaScript or AppleScript. Another one of my favorite and most used snippets is when I type PPT. That will take whatever text I have on my clipboard and convert it to plain text. So I'm no longer fighting formatting when I copy from a Word document, a Google Doc, or a plain HTML page, like a website. I also use it for common links, email messages, which I can completely customize with fill-ins and drop-down menus, and even date calculations. I'm currently writing a book, and Text Expander has been instrumental with that. Text Expander is available on macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad, so pretty much anywhere you do computing. 
If you've been curious about trying Text Expander or automation in general, now's the time. As a listener, you can get 20% off your first year. Just visit TextExpander.com slash podcast and let them know how I built it sent you. That's TextExpander.com slash podcast for 20% off your first year. And now back to the show. I used to think that running my own membership site, I used to think like, I just need to pump out all the content I possibly can. And then I heard like, quite the contrary, don't overwhelm your users, right? If the, right. if you if you release 60 hours of content every month, they're going to be like, why am I paying for this? I can't possibly consume all of it. But, right. uh, and, and it's a little bit different, right? Because you do have different learning tracks. You have like the web developer track, maybe the WordPress specific track, Python. And then you have completely different skill sets too, right? You have authors for e-commerce and Microsoft products. And uh, I I have a bunch of courses saved because I want to learn how to do like Logic Pro and Final Cut Pro better Absolutely. than I'm doing them now. So there's there's a lot. But if you look at maybe like your uh, avatar, right? Your customer avatar for a particular topic set, that's where you're looking at the specific cadence at which you release new content, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, we do have some different, uh, you know, considerations for, uh, you know, we, we cover a large number of industries. Uh, so we have learners who are in universities. We have learners who are, for that matter, in high school. We also have learners who are in, uh, you know, enterprise. Uh, and we even have some retirees who are interested in picking up coding, too. So, um you know, we are releasing a, a large number of hours in aggregate, uh, you know, across a bunch of different mm-hmm. <laughs> libraries yeah. and subsections to be able to go and make sure that we are trying to meet all the needs uh, for all those different uh, categories of learners. So, but um, yeah, for sure, making sure that you are not over- overwhelming, you know, any particular uh, category is is very useful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I should say, like, I picked 60 hours of content because I am catering to one type of person in my membership and 60 hours feels like a lot for them. That's more than a single work week in every month. So 60 hours, maybe not a lot of content per month for LinkedIn learnings scale, because you do cover a wide range of, of different audiences. We do for sure. Yeah. So uh, awesome. Well, this is, uh, this has been really great. I, I want to give our, uh, listeners, some action items here. And I think that more people are interested in video content, maybe in creating their own online courses. Uh, a lot of the listeners are small business owners. What is What are maybe some tips you would give to them if they want to start doing their own video content? This is not necessarily for LinkedIn learning, just things to think about since you you are a content manager, but you are also a producer, right? So um, I should say, I'll reiterate the question because I want to go on this quick sidebar. Sure. I love, I'm, we're like all remote now at the time of this recording, but I love being in the LinkedIn learning booth because the producer is, I think Matt put it this way to me, or maybe Pat did. Um the producer is almost like your pitching coach, right? Like you are uh, a pitcher and you think I I can, I can do it. I could throw 120 pitches, but his, his job or her job um, is to make sure that you are staying fresh in the booth. And so often we'll get to like two 30 
in in the afternoon. I've been doing it for five hours or so, and yep. uh-huh. that's time to go home, rest up. <laughs> yep. And I love that because you know it's it's nice to have somebody an extra set of ears, an external set of ears to right. to make sure that you are uh, delivering the best quality content possible. So um, to Absolutely. reiterate, yeah. So to reiterate, um, what are some tips you have for people looking to get into video content for their small business? Sure. You know, um, there's a, a few things. So Number one is I would say always deliver something of value to your to your uh, customer. And you know if you are delivering video, um, you know make sure it's something that's worth watching. Uh, you know make sure that there is some you know some value to it, and that could be entertainment. You know it could be that you're teaching a valuable skill, um, but you know make sure that you're delivering something. Um, you know always have respect for the learner's time, uh, for the viewer's time. Because, uh, you know, if, if you don't, uh, people will know that and you will lose them. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, really go and, you know, take time to really figure out what you want to be doing, what you want to be saying, what you want to be showing. Um, you know, because you only have one opportunity to make that first impression. And it's, you know, if you go and you miss that opportunity, then it's really, really hard to go and bring people back for a second viewing. So um, try to always do your best. Always understand that, you know, you're talking to individuals. Uh, you know, it's it's really simple to go and say, no, I'm talking to an audience. But, you know, when you are talking to, when there is somebody who is consuming your video, um, it's an individual, you know, and... You should treat them as such, you know, care about them, understand, you know, uh, who it is that you're talking to and what you're trying to say and, you know, um, you know, and care about them. So, um, you know, I, I would say that those are really, you know, some of the biggest things, um, you know, just make sure you're, you're always being respectful. Yeah, I, I think that's. I think that's such great advice. And it's easy to be like, I'm talking to a lot of people, but I think something that you often hear in with marketing and even with previous guests on this show is create your ideal customer avatar. Make right. that a single person, name them and talk to them. Because yep. the more specific you get, the better the 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 better your content will be, the more taken care of your audience will feel. So I think that's absolutely great. Yeah. Uh, You know, and for example, like, you know, uh, I will tell you like one of the tricks that we used to use, uh, you know, from my television days, um, we, when we would have trouble getting a presenter to uh, smile, keep that type of, uh, you know, attitude going, we would go and take a picture of somebody that they cared about, that they loved. And we would <laughs> literally tape it to the side of the camera. So they would wow. see that person and smile. So, and so it was not uncommon to see somebody's, you know, uh, somebody's son or daughter. Um, but, you know, it's somebody who could always make them smile and somebody who, you know, they cared about. So, um, you know, I, I've told authors when, uh, when I was a producer to make sure that, you know, they are keeping somebody in mind. And if it helped to go and bring a picture into the booth with them, 
Uh, or as they're recording their sample movie, you know, to go and have a picture very close by that they could always go and refer back to. So um, as you were envisioning your audience too, like if there's a friend or a family member or somebody who wants to learn these types of things that you are talking about, absolutely talk to them. You know, use, uh, you can use a picture. Some people even have their husband or wife or, you know, sister or brother sit behind the camera <laughs> so yeah, that yeah. they can still actually talk to that person. Um I've had authors in the booth who will go and just stare at me the entire time and tell me and talk to me. <laughs> and I, I love it. I enjoy it. It's it's just absolutely fascinating. And but you can tell the difference in the delivery. Yeah, absolutely. And it's I should say, like, it's an acquired skill to be able to uh if you've if you've seen any of my YouTube videos, you know I talk to the camera and I'm very animated, but it's like it it's something that you really need to get used to. And I think that. Uh, even even when I'm not on camera, when I'm in the booth, I I really try to act like I'm talking to somebody because you smile more, and you may not think so, but uh, people can tell. People can tell if it's not the they know exactly that you're smiling. They'll know that your delivery will be different. So right, uh, you know, definitely great. I I I love the idea of keeping a picture of somebody that will make you smile and and just. Have somebody to talk to, right? Staring into the lens of a camera is weird sometimes. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Amazing. Well, uh, Tracy, thanks so much for your time. I do need to ask you one more question. It is the question I ask all of my guests. And sure. that is, do you have any trade secrets for us? I feel like you just gave us one with the picture <laughs> thing. Uh, but do you have any trade secrets for us? <laughs> Um, always be learning. Always be learning. I love it. Always be learning. Uh, nothing more to say about that. Tracy, thanks no, so much. No, yeah, that's, uh, nothing more to say. <laughs> that's that's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Where can people find you? Oh, people can find me on LinkedIn. Oh, Crazy enough, but ding, uh, ding, ding. I am Tracy Larvens at LinkedIn. So um, you can also reach me at uh, T Larvens on Twitter and uh, on a lot of different uh, uh, social media platforms. But uh, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. Perfect. I will link to those and everything that we talked about in the show notes, which you'll be able to find over at howibuilt.it. Tracy, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much to Tracy for joining us today. I really appreciate that we got to talk about uh, a little behind the scenes stuff over at LinkedIn Learning. I personally love working for LinkedIn Learning and making courses for them. I've learned a lot in how to create good courses and I hope that they like my work. They seem to. So thank you again, Tracy. Uh, his tips are really worthwhile. Always deliver something of value. Make it worth watching and respect the viewer's time. So that's all great. And of course, his trade secret, always be learning. I think that's super important. I try to take at least a few online course modules a week when I have the time. So definitely always be learning. Uh, thanks to our sponsors. They are Yes Please Coffee iThemes and Text Expander, all tools that help me have a productive workday from my very first sip of coffee in the morning to keeping my sites secure through the night. If you want to learn more about Tracy and our sponsors, you can head over to howibuilt.it slash 180. 
185. That's howibuilt.it slash 185. And again, if you want to get good really good weekly content and insights, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter over at howibuilt.it slash subscribe. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something.